0: Today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm just going to jump right in. And, you know, for me, when I think about the Holy Spirit, I think there's so much confusion around spirits in general. And as I was preparing this talk uh, and thinking about, like, God, what do you want to say? This idea of the Holy Spirit kept coming up and... It's really interesting because, like, I'm like, what's with the timing on this? And then I look at the calendar, it's the 31st, it's Halloween. Uh, today is Halloween. Um, and if you if you dress, let's give a round of applause for everyone who dressed up today, by the way. We got one. Yeah, Denise. Yeah, let's see it. Don't. Ouch. Raw. Sting. So, um you know, <laughs> that's a sting. Uh, that uh, I know it might sting. Like people didn't dress up, but you, we big fan right there. Love it. You did it. You did it. It's so cute. Uh, anyway, so anyways, Halloween today, and there's lots of ideas around spirits and such that goes on. And I uh, read a book a few years back. It's called Everything Is Spiritual by N. T. Wright, Tom Wright. Maybe some of you have heard of Tom Wright, N. T. Wright. And in the book, in the, he lays out this premise that in our technocratic scientific world in the West, we've sort of pushed out or marginalized certain kinds of spirituality. But because of that, we're so hungry for spirituality on some level. We're craving spirituality. Just look at all the fun movies that come out every halloween they're very spiritually driven most of it's an uh, impersonal evil spiritual force that wants to hurt people uh, of a particular kind and then like for some reason the hero gets rid of the evil spirit do we think about um, my wife just completed warrior week at soul cycle you think of when you go to soul cycle she, she if she rode four times in a row she got 20% off the following week oh that's even better there is a God. So, so you know, you go to a soul cycle class, it's a very spiritual experience. They try to make it, they try to make it seem that we're craving spirituality. And and in that in that craving, there's something that in each of us that craves something that's real. There's something about the world that, you know, there is a spiritual world to this. And the way he likens it in Tom Wright's book is, like, you can imagine concrete, and there's, like, just grass and, like, weeds coming up between the cracks. No matter how much we have tried to push out spiritual forces, there's still a spiritual reality of the world, and it's bubbling up, and people want it. They want to encounter it. They want to experience it. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, that kind of spirituality is very well accepted in West Los Angeles and Los Angeles. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the people of God, the, the Christian, what the Christians believe, that the Holy Spirit is with us, that sort of gets pushed out, well, that's just hocus-pocus or that doesn't make sense. But every alternative kind of spirituality is more welcome than the Holy Spirit. And so what I thought we would do today is that we would talk about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit isn't some impersonal force. That the Holy Spirit isn't something that's just, you know, that you talk about uh, when you go to a very charismatic church and you see the pastor doing backflips across the center thing. But there's something real about what the Spirit does and who he is and what he wants to do with us. And, you know... I don't know about you, but some people, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of the person that's just listed at the end of the Trinity. You hear think Father, okay, Father God, Son, Jesus, love that guy. And then Holy Spirit, we just kind of cram him in. Or maybe you think the Holy Spirit is the person that's part of the bureaucratic part of the church. Well, the Holy Spirit said this, and we did this, and that's how we came up with the church and all the books of the Bible and all that. And then others of us think that the Holy Spirit might think that the Holy Spirit is somebody who makes us a weirdo. That every time you hear someone talk about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, you would say, oh, well, you know, the Holy Spirit told me to do that. And, you know, you'd say, uh, and it's usually a weird thing. And that's also not true. Now, sometimes people claim that the Holy Spirit has told them to do something when he hasn't. And the reason I know that, and the reason some of you know this, is because many of us have learned to know the Holy Spirit. We've gotten to know him. We know what he's like. We know what he sounds like. Just this past week, uh, the great one himself, Patrick Vukovic, in the back, hello, and I, we traveled to Phoenix, and in Phoenix, we went to the Vineyard National Conference. Now, this group of churches is a part of the Vineyard Association of Churches, and we went there, and there was lots of things that were happening, and my friend Jay Pathak, our friend Jay, became the new national director of uh, the vineyard, and some of you know him, and he's a great guy, and if we ever get a chance, we'll bring him out here, and we'll have him speak to you guys, and he'll be great. But um, we went there, and while we were there, it's you're around a bunch of pastors, around a bunch of leaders, a lot of great worship. What we experienced, once again, was the power of the Holy Spirit. We would, we would just simply ask at the end of worship or at the end of a teaching, we'd say, you know, God, we invite your presence to be here, and God's presence would be there. There was people who had chronic illnesses that were healed. There was people who um, were overcome with emotion that were hearing from God for the first time, or hearing from God in the first time in a long time. There was God doing, we saw people uh, have experienced a spiritual, mental, and sometimes an emotional breakthrough with what God was doing in the room. And it was done in a very naturally supernatural way which means like it wasn't a lot of hype, not a lot of people dancing around, not a lot of trying to get our emotions up to make it appear like the Holy Spirit was in the room, but it was in very much like in a room, kind of, or like a field, like this. It was very just calm. It was calm, but God's presence was with us. And what we believe in this church at Pax City is that the Holy Spirit is with us. He's not just the third part of the Trinity that we don't understand, but he's actually a part of, of what we do and how we live our life with Jesus. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. We're going to look at a set of verses, and then I'm going to do a little bit of teaching, because some of you go, well, who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to teach what the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and then we're going to turn it over to the main attraction. We're going to invite God's presence to be here. I wonder what might happen. So I've called today's talk, The Spirit I Never Knew. Let's pray together. Will you pray with me? All right. So, God, um, I'm really putting it out there today, and I'm asking you to be with us, and we want your presence to be with us. We want your spirit to speak to us today. God, I ask that you would be in our time, that we would get to hear from you. God, we want to know you. We want to encounter you, and uh, I ask that you be with us. So, help me to speak as I should. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, if you're following along uh, there's notes, and for the first time in forever, you can do fill in the blanks. I know, that's very important, I know. Fill in the blanks. Some of you sketch beautiful art on there, and I find it laying around when we're cleaning up. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. I wonder if that person learned anything. Anyway, so if you can follow along, there's there's some Bible verses in case you didn't pack a, pack some heat, in case you didn't bring, some, bring a Bible with you. We're going to be looking at Acts 19, so if you turn into your pages to Acts 19, this is the Apostle Paul. This is what he says. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, I want you to go back and look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why does Paul ask these men who think they are following Jesus if they've received the Spirit? Why? Well, because Christians, Christians by definition, are people... Who have received the Holy Spirit. And so while Paul is interacting with these folks through this, uh, through this letter, there must have been something that these disciples, these so-called disciples did. It made Paul wonder about the reality of their conversion. Perhaps it was the way they behaved, but most likely it was something in the way that they prayed. Did you know that one indication... That the Spirit is present in someone's life is to see and watch how they pray. You can listen to somebody how they pray, and that kind of determines and helps you have an understanding if they're the Holy Spirit is present in their life. Have you ever heard somebody pray, and it sounds like the opening of a business meeting? You know, you can. have you gone, and maybe some of you work in corporate America, and you go into the office, and you have the clear glass thing, and you're all around the big table, and you sit down, and you talk about, well, here's the finances, here's the revenue, here's what we expect in terms of customers, and this and that, and you kind of go, go through, have you ever been through the motions of a business meeting? Now, some people, when they get up to prayer, when they pray in front of others, that's what they sound like. There's no sense of intimacy. They, and you look at them, you go, it doesn't, even know if, it doesn't even seem like you know the God you're talking to. There's no intimacy. There's no familiarity in their voice. They're giving God information as if he was some sort of ER doctor. Like they don't treat him or he's some sort of a dishwasher repair person that's coming into your house. Here's the problem and here's this and this and this. There's no familiarity. There's no, they're not treating him like he's the God that knows everything. Another thing that sometimes people will do when they pray, if they haven't encountered the Holy Spirit, is that they don't. When um, when they go to pray, they're not actually praying to God. They're actually talking to you and me. They're actually like, you know, you know, God's word says, you know, this and that, and they're actually just talking at us, or they're showing us how much they know about the Bible, and then they make it seem like they're praying by they go they add father they pepper in Father God. Father God, you know, the Father God, you know, I just say, you know, God says that we should uh, all go to my after party and Father God, we just, you know, got to, you kind of are, you're not really saying anything that's directed to God. There's no sense of familiarity. It's just words about God and you're kind of getting in an extra sermon after you've given the sermon or whatever and you're just adding Father God. The other thing that people do when they want to fill time is they use the word just, just, I just, I would ask God, Jesus, just, you know, Father God, just, just, and they kind of are pushing in a direction where it's mostly about, about what's happening, what they feel like saying or bragging about, but there's really no direction or intimacy connected to God. Now, how a person prays can show you if they've received the Holy Spirit. And just as an aside, if you're a person that maybe you're here today and you wonder if God actually exists, you might not actually be a follower of Jesus. And if you're here, you are very welcome uh, we want you to be here, and we want you, I mean, if you're willing to make the sacrifice and come on a cloudy day at 10 a.m. to uh, worship with us and hear me talk, you know, I, we are, you are very welcome here. And so, regardless of what you believe, if you're not even sure if Christianity is something that's real, I would encourage you to do something. Even if you don't believe in God, or you're sure you believe in God, I would encourage you to pray. There's a statistic out there that one in four people who don't believe in God actually pray on a regular basis even though they don't know that God exists. And so if you are that kind of a person and you're here today, I would encourage you to try praying. Try praying if you don't even know there's a God or if you wonder how much God cares about you. And you can say things like, God, I don't even know if you're real or I'm talking to myself, but I really need your help. I need need help with a job interview. I need help with this position in my workplace. I have a money problem. There's a problem with this particular relationship. Try praying because lots of people have connected with God simply because they tried praying. Uh, this actually happened uh, to me with a neighbor. There's a neighbor of mine. Uh, he doesn't live here anymore. Um, but when he did live here, um, he didn't know what he believed about God. And there was this moment where I said, well, why don't we try praying about that? And he's like, well, I don't know if I believe God. And I went through the, the like, well, why don't we try praying anyway? And the thing that happened next was that God's spirit showed up in that moment in a way that I could have never forced. I could have never, even if I tried to make it emotional or whatever, I could have never done what God did in that moment. And God came into that moment and there was emotion and he felt weird and he's like, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm like, I think that's God's presence with you right now. And then I go, hey, I've got to go. My wife is calling me inside. I've got to go inside. So I leave. And he ends up walking down to the beach, and he has this incredibly emotional time at the beach where he's weeping and, like, he's just praying, and he's like, God, I don't know what's come over me. Uh, and he's spending time, and for the first time probably in, like, his whole life, he was actually connecting with God in a real way simply because he tried praying. So regardless of what you believe, when you come up against that situation and you don't have an answer, try praying. See what happens. Now, back to the story. Paul, we don't know for sure for what forever reason, Paul some, found something deficient in these disciples. So, he asked them. Look in verse 2. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their response is, they answered, I always uh, wonder if like, they all said it at the same time in the same tone. No. We have never heard of that there was even a Holy Spirit. And so then the dialogue continues. Look at verse 3 and 4. He says, Then what baptism did you receive? They talk about John's baptism. So to put this into context, I'm not even really sure that these people were saying that they had never heard of the Holy Spirit existed. They just didn't know that the Holy Spirit had come, that he had broken in, uh, that he existed, and he had broken in through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. They had heard of the Holy Spirit, but they did not know that the Holy Spirit was available to them now. And you see, what I take away from this, what you should take away from this, is that we live in the age of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us. You and me right now can encounter the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has been poured out on the world because of what Jesus has done, what Jesus did on the cross, and, you know, much like these disciples, they were baptized by John the Baptist. They, they were baptized by John the Baptist. You can know that the Holy Spirit exists, but you may have not ex- actually experienced him. And so, what we learn from this is right now, even as we're here, the Holy Spirit is with us. He's, ever, he's everywhere. He is with us right now. And you and I can experience the God of the Holy Spirit right now. Do you see even right now? Like even if I just stop the talk right now and say we can encounter him right now, that can happen because he's with us. He's moving in us and in this room. He's moving across the world. I think about we're very Western in our mindset and it's very hard for us to understand how much the spirit is actually working, but he is. He is if we're paying attention to it or that we're aware that he is working among us. In places like uh, Sub-Saharan Africa or all parts of Southeast Asia, the spiritual reality is just a reality. It is in their world every day. They're pressing into it, and they need the Holy Spirit to work uh, and live and to exist. But here in the West, we sort of compartmentalize it in a different way. But the same Spirit, the Spirit that's spread all over this world, who's moving in power in different parts of the world, is the same Spirit It's here with us in this little crowd in this field. Right now, he's with us. So the text goes on. He says Paul what well says Paul laid his hands on them, and then the Holy Spirit came in them and it manifested signs of God's Holy Spirit. So once at all time these twelve guys they start speaking in tongues as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something now some of you are gonna need to hear this. Now, when you look at the Bible in the New Testament, which is all the stories that are about what happened during the time of Jesus and afterwards. In the New Testament, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that everyone who receives the Holy Spirit will automatically speak in tongues. Some people prophesied. That means they had spiritual insight into future things that were going to happen. Some people feel an overwhelming sense of being loved by God. Other people, when they encounter the Holy Spirit, they feel like they're being cleaned from all the things in their life, from the top of their heads down to the bottom of their toes. But whatever the experience is, whatever it is, whether it's tongue or some sort of thing in their body or they feel forgiven or whatever it is, the New Testament is absolutely and abundantly clear that you can know that you know that you know that you have received the Holy Spirit. So that, that's what we get from this. Paul's like, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they're like, well, we didn't know there was. He goes, let me pray for you, and now you've received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with them. And for every Jesus follower, the Holy Spirit is available to us. So for the rest of this time, I'm going to shift. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to talk about who is this Holy Spirit. Because these verses don't give us any indication of what he's like. And also, systematically, theologically systematic theology is not something that the Bible, it doesn't lay out the entire doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to do is explain to him who he is a little bit more in detail. Are you with me? Can can we we focus? All right, cool. That's good. All right, cool. So what is the Holy Spirit? Who's the Holy Spirit? Now, if you're taking notes, now's the time. You can start taking notes. You can do the fill in the blank. So we're going to take, first of all, there's a lot of pictures in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. And these pictures kind of give us an idea of what he is like. The first one, if you're filling in the blanks, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. He's outside of our control. In the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, the word ruach means wind or breath. Um, And in the New Testament, the word pneuma, uh, it has to do with spirit. It means to blow. And just think about the wind for a second. You can see the effects of the wind, but you can't actually see the wind. And you know, one of the bigger reasons why sometimes people might avoid talking about the Holy Spirit or interacting or working with the Holy Spirit, one of the reasons they might avoid it is because the Holy Spirit, when he blows wherever he wants, this can be hard for people because we tend to be a little controlling We can be control freaks. We don't like when we can't control things, things that we can't manage. And the hard part about all this is that when we encounter the Holy Spirit, it's not under our control, and it's not on our terms. You can't control him. I can't control him. It comes at the initiation, the Holy Spirit, he comes at the initiation of Jesus alone. There's another picture of the Spirit Uh, The Spirit is like breath. It gives us life. When we feel dried up, when we're going through the motions, when we're uninspired, maybe when we're at the the church and the church is feeling like it's going through a time of being dried up and everything becomes routine and lifeless. We don't need a better strategy. We don't need better marketing. We definitely don't need better preaching. What we need, what we need, we don't need better social media. What we need is more of the Holy Spirit. We need God to breathe on us. We need God to breathe new life in us again. So let me ask you a personal question. Is this something that you do? Do you regularly pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you honest with the Lord when you pray? Maybe you're going through the motions and you're feeling dried up. Maybe you're going through the motions in your marriage. Maybe you're going through the motions in your walk with God, in your work, or at the church. Maybe you're just kind of going through the motions in your community group. You know, the thing is, we don't have to keep going through the motions. One of the ways that you can refresh yourself is that you can ask the Spirit of God to fill you. And you don't have to wait for Sunday morning, although I'm so glad that you're here. But you don't have to wait for Sunday morning. It can happen here, but it can happen tomorrow. It can happen here, it can happen on Thursday. And all you do... And there's a very very complicated prayer. All you do is you say, Spirit of God, will you fill me? Will you breathe on me again? I need your touch. That's all you have to do. And what happens is, is that God once again fills you with what you need. And sometimes he brings to mind things that you should change. Sometimes he brings moments of encouragement. But whatever it is, God will fill you back up. So that's another picture that uh, the the Holy Spirit is like. He gives life. He's like breath. A third one, the Holy Spirit is like a dove, which signals new beginnings. You know, we see the picture of a dove. Um, It's a symbol of God doing something new, Uh, whether it's water or fire or anointing oil. uh, God uses a dove oftentimes uh, to uh, symbolize his presence. But beyond pictures... Beyond pictures, there's actually a personality to the Holy Spirit. There's actually a personality to the Holy Spirit because why? The Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is not like Star Wars. So Star Wars, you think of Star Wars, you think of the Force, and they're like, use the Force, Luke. And he's like, I want to go to Tashi Station. And you don't want to do that because the Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Spirit is a real person person. It's not some impersonal force guiding you to all good. And so when we look and we read about the Holy Spirit, and we experience the Holy Spirit, we need to see that the Spirit that these men encountered in the Bible and the Spirit we encounter today, there's a personality to Him. Okay? So what's, it, what's, it, what's the personality like? What's His personality like? Well, first, first fill in the blank, the Holy Spirit is the Helper. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Advocate, which also means the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, I don't want you to miss this promise. How does the Holy Spirit help us? Well, it is the Helper who teaches us. Jesus said that he would send a Helper to teach us everything. And did you know that God is incredibly smart? There is no subject at which he is not an expert in. God does know all the answers. And so whether you're having an issue with a son or a daughter, maybe they're in school and they're not getting along with friends or they're not performing well. Maybe they're having a hard time with relationships. Maybe they're being bullied or maybe they're doing the bullying. Maybe they're hanging out with the wrong crowd. We can go to the Holy Spirit and we can say, Holy Spirit, you are an expert in raising children. What should I do? Show me what to do. And you can do this with any subject, with anything, because God is smart. There is no subject in which God is not an expert. He has the answers, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, whether it's how to deal with an aging parent, the Spirit of God will teach you if you ask him um, so what else what else do we see here? Well, we also see the Holy Spirit as a helper who guides us now I'm going to get a little bit personal here um, just given my title, a lot of people will come talk to me because I'm a pastor and they'll they say that they don't know what God wants them to do about. A specific situation or something going on in their life. And then they'll say this little thing at the end. They'll go, oh, Pastor, will you pray for me about what I should do? Now, I totally think it's really great. And I feel very honored when you come talk to me about that. And, uh, and, and I think it's really important for you to get counsel and prayer from somebody that you respect. And you should get feedback and counsel, especially from people who are spiritually mature. And I believe that it's very appropriate to ask somebody who you trust to pray for you uh, about a specific situation, especially if that person has a prophetic word or an encouraging thing that God has laid on their heart. That can be super helpful and clarifying. But also hear me when I say this, and I say this with all affection. What would you think if um, uh, I came up to you And I ask you, I go, you know, hey, um, hi. I said, hi. And you're like, hi. And I go, I don't know where my wife, Nicole, wants to go out to dinner this weekend. Would you mind asking her for me? Would you mind? Did you just go to her? Would you ask her for me? Would you just talk with her, and just figure out where she wants to go, and then let me know? Your natural question back to me would be, what would your natural question back to me be? (laughs) <laughs> she's giving you the answer. Well, I'm sorry, there's more murmuring. I'm, what, what? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Man. Yeah, You're lazy? Did I hear lazy? Over <laughs> I heard lazy and do it yourself. And that's right. We can say that. Why don't you go ask her yourself? You know, in the same way. The God that speaks to me sometimes, to you, is the same God that wants to speak directly to you. And uh, God, you can go to Him. You can say, God, where are You guiding me? You know, God, what are You saying? Where are You leading? What do You want me to do about this living situation? God, I'm having trouble with a coworker. God, what are You saying? And let me let me get in more personal. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit guiding you? Have you ever felt Him giving you direction and giving you counsel, internally guiding you to His will? Have you ever felt that from the inside? And, you know, maybe you've said to yourself, you know what, you know, maybe you felt it before, like, you know, maybe I need to go over and encourage that person who is here at our church. Maybe I need to li- literally stop talking to who I'm talking to. I'm going to walk over, I'm going to be like, hi, my name is, and you know, I'm going to just see where the conversation goes. Or maybe you felt like, you know what, I really do need to donate a certain kind of dollar amount to this charity. I, you know, I, I just I wasn't thinking about it, but all of a sudden I am. Or, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit has guided you on what you should actually say. Have you ever felt the internal guiding of him, guiding you on what to say to somebody who is hurting or going through a hard time? Or even better yet, this is what happens to me. Has the Holy Spirit ever guided you on what not to say and when to hold your tongue? When to withhold a, an emotional reaction? Hey, the Holy Spirit's kind of, you know, I mean, he's, not, he's leading me not to stick my nose into business where it doesn't belong. You know, just this past week, uh, it's a sad story, um, but one of the tenants in our building uh, was e- evicted, and uh, she she's this cute, twenty three year old kid moved in like three months ago, and uh, her dad moved her in. We got to meet both, and we're very neighborly, and we're like, hey, what's up? Uh, and over the course of three months, uh, she went from this being this cute, like all the cute outfits and. Great headphones, over the ears. So, uh, it, you know, you know, and you're getting to know her. and You're like, hey, how's it going? We watched her go from that uh, in a three month period to being like on the streets, homeless, in a three month period. And we did everything that we could, but one of the, and like we were praying, and there was a particular time when Patrick and I, a few weeks ago, where we were, um, Patrick and I were gone, and one of the things that happened was very weird spiritual thing where, like, this person went to all the doors of our building and, like, covered them with oil, <laughs> like, in a weird spiritual thing. What's weird about it is that Nikki, my wife, had this prompting that, you uh, say, Holy Spirit, we, I don't know what's going on with this person, but God, I ask you to protect this building and protect this girl. And, like, 24 hours before she prayed that, and then this weird thing happened, and, and then the, Everyone starts getting more involved, and um, it was like a really dark thing, and um, it it was really sad. The interesting thing is consistently in this process, we couldn't control this person's actions or what God was into, and our prayer has consistently been that God would redeem her and change her and pull her out of some of the, the mental health issues and the substance abuse issues that were the contributing factor. But we saw something. Um, we're kind of in a central spot. And also, we're, s- we're not the most popular people in the building. We're like the s- second most popular, <laughs> second or third. We're quite popular. That's just something popular people say. Anyway, um, so people come to us. Uh, maybe they saw something pastoral in our town. And they were like, oh, what are we going to do about this and, this and this? And we noticed that the dialogue and the language was uh, becoming very inhumane towards this person. And so, you know, while we don't have a, a terribly positive end to that part of the story, what we do have is that we definitely felt led by the spirit to say, hey, we need to look at this with a, through the lens of compassion. So as we're working with the police that were coming to our apartment complex every day, and as we're working with neighbors who are getting more and more angry, and the pitchforks are getting sharpened, and the tiki torches were getting lit, I mean, they were going to throw this lady out on the street, they were going to do, like, we were just very, like, for some reason, God's power and his grace came over us, and the way we got to interact with them, and say, you know, this is really hard, we were able to pause, and uh, in those moments, and we're very, Nikki and I are very Enneagram 3 type people, our personality types are very direct, Um, maybe some of you have experienced that from us, and uh, so for the Spirit to help us to check that, and to be able to be like you know, I, you know, man, I just can't imagine what it's like, you know, to be her parents or go through the situation. It completely changed the narrative of how we were working with this person, and um, it would change how we worked with the parents. It changed how we worked with the management company. Um, at one point, there was a squatter, and the police had to come in. Uh, and then Nikki and uh, this the squatter uh, didn't look like Nikki and me, um, and so we were very concerned about the. Police coming in, guns a- blazing, and so every part of this 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 situation changed, and it actually brought our uh, apartment complex. Um, I think the spirit was touching people and giving people a different way of thinking about when someone goes through mental, emotional, and like physical addiction stuff. And um, and I, I mean, I'm not that compassionate, as you know, and. And I I just, I credit that the Lord was using us with her and in some way sparing her life. And we don't know the end of that story, but we do know that the Lord was using us and how we were interacting with the people uh, in our building. And so, you know, that's just a recent story. And each of you has those stories. Each of you has, you know, maybe I won't say that, or maybe I will jump in and say this or that. And that's the Spirit. That's the Spirit who helps us in our time of need. And finally, um, there's the Spirit who touches us. You know, some people have decided. Some people in churches have decided. Forget about experiences. Forget about your feelings. Just focus on the truth. We're a church that focuses on the truth. Now, on the one hand, this is partially right. You do not have to wait on a feeling to obey God. You don't have to wait for a certain kind of experience for you to know that you should do what's already right and true. You don't have to wait for an emotion to do what's moral or loving. Strong emotion is not required to forgive somebody. Feelings of bliss are not required in order to not gossip or not cheat or not cheat on your taxes or steal someone else's client. You and I can both do God's will regardless of our feelings. But on the other hand, if you have never felt or you've rarely felt God's presence and you believe that you are a follower of Jesus, I just think that there's something wrong with that. It's true that our Christian life is not based on our feelings, but if feelings do not accompany your relationship with God, then it's good for you to reconsider or take a second look at the health of your relationship with God. Think about it this way. Another Nicole example. This is the, Nicole, I'm so sorry. Uh, but Nicole, you know, if I came home, um, you know, and, and I met up with Nikki after work, like, you know, like, you know, like an old-fashioned guy with a briefcase. I came home after work, and I was like, hello, Nicole, I'm home. And I started talking to Nicole, and I said, you know, Nikki, our marriage is not based on feelings, so when I hug you, I feel nothing, I feel nothing inside, I feel no emotions, in fact, I'm a little dead inside, I feel indifferently in my love for you, so if you would like to kiss me, that would be very nice. It would be very nice if you would like to kiss me. Now if you saw me interact with Nikki that way, on a regular basis, or ever, thank you, girl. Now, if you saw me interact with her like that, what would you say? You would say, there's something really wrong with him. <laughs> now, we all know that there's something wrong with me, but we don't have enough time to go into that. The point is, is, that like, as followers of Jesus and people who believe in the Spirit, there's something that should be warm that accompanies our relationship. You get my point. God wants to touch you. God wants to touch us. He wants us to feel a sense of familiarity with him. It's not just some third part of the Trinity, uh, but it is really something that God wants to do among us and in us and through us. And, you know, it's a guy, the older I get, um, not only, um, like, you know, the less, you, he feels like the less you know, Like, there's so many other things in the world that you don't know the older you get. You get less, you're less certain in certain areas. But one of the things I do know is that familiarity and connection with the Spirit, man, it's so much better to live the Christian life that way. To be connected to the God of the universe in a regular um, human, you know, like I'm talking to him like, he was, like, He is like he actually here with us. I think that's the way for us. And we see that in Scripture, and I think that's what I'm inviting you into today, that we don't want to be a church that's simply just, you know, out of duty, out of dryness. Maybe we'll feel better every once in a while, but we would be a church that's marked by people that have a familiarity and a connection with the Spirit. I think we should pursue that together. That's where we're headed as a church. That's where I want you to go in your walk with God. And that's all I wanted to share. Will you stand with me? We're going to invite the worship team to come back up. And I'm just thinking, you know, as a church, you know, there's lots of churches you could go to there, which with like way like, not better music. This is the best music ever, and uh, but definitely better preaching and better lights with the you know the lasers and stuff like that, and the smoke machine and like larger crowds, more uh, a bigger dating pool. You know, more people you could date, and those are all good. Um, and like one of the things that the temptations for us is like we don't want to be a place that hypes up anything but a real relationship with God. And I have no problem with those other churches. I'm just saying we don't want to be the center of the attention. We don't want to be the center of this thing. At every moment in our lives with God and in this church, I want us to become hype men and hype women. Where we're not the, You ever know what a hype man or hype woman is? Like they're not the main attraction. They're the person that sets it up. At every point in our walk with God together at Pax City, I want us to be a church that kind of operate like hype men and hype women. That Like, I just got up and talked a little bit. and The worship was great. But, like, now is the time where God does his thing. Like, this is actually the real part. Uh, and in the same way that Paul, like, I just want to be a Bible-believing church. I want us to be a Bible-believing church and uh, to step out in faith. And so what I want to do right now, in the same way that Paul said, uh, you know, I welcome the Holy Spirit uh, to touch these people's lives, I want to do that same thing for us today. Would you be willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit today? Would you be willing to take a risk and say, God, I don't know. You know, Chris was kind of clear, but maybe not that clear. But God, I want you to do your thing. Would you be open to that right now? Okay. So let's pause. And if you feel comfortable, you can stretch out your hands. There's nothing magical. There's nothing magical about it. But basically, you're just saying, I'm, hey, I'm open, God. And if you don't feel comfortable, put your hands in your pockets and say internally, God, I'm open. I want you to touch me. I want to know your presence, and so I'm going to pray that right now. I'm going to pause, though. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here with us.